Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Alrighty. Welcome back to the Celtics Lab Podcast. I am your host, Cameron Tiptify. I'm joined by Dr. Justin Quinn, Alex Goldberg. The Celtics season is upon us, and with a tilt against Orlando Magic and Paolo Banquero coming up, we thought we would talk to our friend Cody Taylor of Rookie Wire to tell us more about Banquero and a pretty exciting rookie class in the NBA. So, Cody, welcome to the Celtics Lab Podcast. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. Good to be here. Happy to talk some hoops. Yeah. Um, Cody knows more about uh, college hoops than most and young NBA players than most. He also edits some of my writing. Uh, so I thank him for that. Um, Cody, we're going to jump right in. We'll talk about Paolo and uh, kind of all the other um, young studs in the NBA this season. Um, Justin, Alex, how are you? Doing okay. Getting a little bit of a sniffle coming on. So if my voice sounds a little hoarse, apologies in advance, dear listener. Um, but all things being equal, I'm all right. Next week, I'm probably not going to be on whichever episode we record as parent-teacher conferences are coming up. Yeah, I'm going to be slammed, but I'm here now. Oh. Dr. Quinn, how are things other than it being cold and chaotic Angry in about traffic accidents? Yeah, my wife just got rear-ended traffic on the way home from work, so I'm super thrilled. But other than that, pretty good. All the same. I'm having an okay day. Cody, <laughs> welcome. So um, we're going to do the news later, um, but first let's hop into what we call the Celtics lab portion of the programming. And we'll start with uh, Bancaro because the Celtics will see him first. So um, Cody, tell us about Bancaro, what you think about him as a player this season um, and where he might go in his NBA career. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think he, as everyone saw in his debut, I think he, you know, there were, there weren't a lot of holes in his game. And I think that he just kind of, you know, you know, came out of the gate on fire. Um, and, you know, this is a player that I think the magic thought they were getting with the number one pick. Of course, we, we all know how much of a surprise it was that they even took Ben Carroll because all the reports information was Jabari Smith, but, um, you know, Paolo had a, a slower start to the preseason, and then over their last three games, he really kind of emerged, and something just kind of flipped, uh, you know, a switch flipped, or starting to figure things out a little quicker than maybe some other rookies, but he started to really show why the Magic took him, and I think, you know, he had such a big role with with the Magic over the preseason, and it's it's already evident that he's going to have a huge role with the team, and I think that you know, as you one game in, we're already talking rookie of the year, but it, it seems like it's it's his to lose at this point. He is the odds on favorite by virtually every sports book out there. And there are a lot of them. But um, just b- based on how he played and, and his role this season, I think the Magic are going to really lean on him. I think he played 30, 35 minutes last night. 
and you know had such a, a key role for that team down the stretch there against the Pistons. And you know you can kind of look at it that the Pistons are right in that same boat as the Magic that maybe they're not outwardly tanking, maybe they're trying to get better, uh, but. For your debut to have 27, 9, and 5, and you know, to be talked in and, and, and the same conversation as LeBron James as far as debuts by number one picks go, I think think he did pretty well last night. What do you think um of, of the ceiling and I mean I guess the floor is they get end up tanking for Juan Yama. I want to talk to you actually about him uh later, but what do you think this the ceiling for this magic team is? Yeah, I think last year they they finished 22, 23 wins or so. Yeah. Um, the tw- over under for win total is 26 and a half last I checked. And I think that depending on who you ask and, you know, being around a lot of the, the magic media folks on a basically semi, uh, you know, daily basis. Um, it seems like I'm a little lower uh, on them this year than, than maybe some of them. I think that 30 wins, 32 wins, I've heard quite a bit um, from just talking to some other people, media people more, more so than, let's say, anyone uh, involved with the team. But, um, you know, I, I think that 30 is a, is a big jump from 20 to 23. That's, you know, that's a huge improvement uh, considering Paolo was really the only addition they made over the, the offseason. They brought back 14 players from last year tied for the most in the league, uh, I believe. And so I think if you get toward that 30 win range would be, would be pretty good um, and, and show improvement. And maybe that means that you're there in the playing race for March, you know, maybe mid to, to late March, you know, kind of just alive in the race longer than they were last year, I think would be, would be a nice goal for them. And then, you know, to, and just kind of see where, where they fall in the, in the draft race. And of course, you know, January, February is when we really start figuring out which of these teams are tanking. And, you know, I'd like to see the magic and maybe like the thunder and rockets not outwardly tank, like they maybe have been in the past and really start to show, show some progress. But when you're looking at Victor Wimbanyama and the on deck circle, uh, it, it might be hard to do that. I have a question about the draft and basically like lottery odds and how how worth it it is to tank because I mean apart from the fact that Scoot Henderson is also available in this draft like what do we what do we know about the other players in the who are expected to go early in the in the lottery are it, it, like if you miss out on both of those guys are you kind of just screwed or are there other good prospects that you would think would be kind of near the top of the draft No I think there are some other guys and and you know it's obviously before any of any other college has started they're in their camps and getting ready to kick things off. But there's a couple of twins in the overtime elite league, uh, the Thompson brothers that I think a lot of teams are, are curious about. Um, and just kind of when you look at what overtime elite is and um, you know, I think there's still some questions as to, as to how viable that is as an option a professional option versus, you know, the G League Ignite or the NBL in Australia. Um, so I think that, but that being said, I think those guys really have a lot to offer. Um, there are some other guys, Nick Smith from Arkansas um, is a guy that was, was top five recruit in his class. And there's some, you know, there's some other guys that are sprinkled in. I think 
it it may not be as deep as as but last year I would say was was probably one of the deepest drafts we've seen in quite some time. And obviously it was very top heavy as as we saw this year's draft with with uh, Paolo and, and these other guys, I think is is can be a good class. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I think we may not know that it's a good class right off the bat because as I was kind of looking this morning at some of the other rookies, there was a lot of DNPs, um, you know, a lot of a lot of guys not playing. Um but you know that's to be expected. But I think that you know if, if there's there's tiers to this this upcoming draft, and obviously this will change as we we're talking about it on on October twentieth, right? But uh, um, you know I think there'll be other guys that um, you know if you miss out on the top two guys, there'll be other guys that are that are nice. They're not you know they're not in that upper echelon. I'd say. And I think you just jumping in really quickly here, there's way less pressure for Orlando to like have a losing season with the security provided by Bancaro. I mean, so I, I thought that Bancaro should have been the number one pick pretty clearly from the jump. Um, it seems like he's going to live up to that. And I think just in the kind of tools that he brings to the table as a player, he's got elite size. He can handle the ball. He's got pretty good passing vision and he just has a sense of like poise and maturity that you really don't see with players his age coming into the league very often. I think with him and Franz Wagner, who I also think has a really significant upside, the magic have guys in place such that they should be trying to win regardless of whether it ultimately pans out as they're talented enough to do that now, or if they need more pieces, I, I think given kind of what they have going, even in a situation where they are out of the playoff race firmly by say March or something like that, it, there's an argument to be had that the magic should prioritize just trying to develop good culture and good habits regardless of where they stand in the Eastern Conference uh, final standings, because they have the security of, you know, one, two, and maybe even three guys with Cole Anthony that can be significant building blocks for their future in a way that a team like Indiana or Utah or San Antonio, some of these like flagrantly tanking teams probably don't have those kind of motivations or additional factors. It, I think it would frankly be hard for Orlando to even get into the top pick race, even if they did start tanking, given the state of some of the worst teams in the NBA. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, and, and this team that the Magic have right now is not, you know, they, they are still missing Jonathan Isaac. And I'm kind of done trying to figure out when he's coming back because he has, <laughs> he last played in the bubble. Markel Fultz is, is, is out for now. Um, Gary Harris is out. Cole Anthony missed uh, last night uh, because of uh, a last minute illness. And so that's when we kind of got to see Point Franz. Um, and, and he, he really ran the, ran the team well at times. He had struggled at times, but that's kind of where they, they lacked a, a true point guard without, without Cole and, and, and Markel. But I think that, as you said, that was, um, you know, it's going to be hard for them to tank almost. And so, you know, I think you got to start showing the fan base that there's so much excitement around the team right now and just living here and just kind of talking to people I know that that like the team and want to see them do good. And so I think that this year is a, is a crucial year and, and just to show improvement, they don't have to go out and get the eighth seed, but just show improvement, I would say. And, 
I think a lot of people are excited about the, the future and, and especially with, with Paolo in the mix. I've, I want to keep talking about this year's rookies, but I also want to segue to our ad read. So uh, I'm going to, Cody, I'm going to ask you to think about this while I do the ad read. Um, I saw that uh, Victor Wembanyama is a minus 1,000 to be the number one overall pick next year, which is a big number. But I, I actually, I mean, I'm not a betting man, but I, I actually don't know if I would put real American dollars on that or not. So I'm going to ask you about that line in a second. But first, I want to talk about our friends over at betonline.ag. Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You can always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends on Bet Online. As your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores, as well as giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events bet NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Cody, Victor Wembanyama minus a thousand to be the number one overall pick. If you had cash to burn, would you put money on that or no? I wouldn't, no. Because <laughs> I would imagine uh, the money you, you do put, you're, you'll win uh, five bucks or something or so. But, um, you know, I, I would say it would take it would take, um, you know, knock on wood, something really unfortunate for him not to, not to be that top guy. And even let's say, you know, I hate to even say this, but if he got hurt or something, I think teams would even still, still bet on it to, yeah. you know, because they saw what he did uh, earlier this month against G League Ignite. And so I think that honestly, no matter what happens to this guy, I think he'll be the top pick. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment. I think it would take like an injury that presents significant long-term danger for Wembenyama to not be the number one pick. Like even if he like tears his ACL, I would be extremely confident that he would be the number one pick heading into next year. And that's not a knock on Scoot Henderson at all, who I think is going to be a fabulous NBA player. But Victor's, the, the potential that Victor carries as a guy who can move, space the floor, pass and score the way he can at his size. It's just gonna be too hard for NBA GMs to ignore. And I, I feel like if you are picking Victor Wembanyama with the number one pick, that's a guaranteed, like I'm not going to get fired for at least six years move <laughs> by the GM. So I, I just, I haven't, it, I, I think the odds of Victor not being the number one pick are like less than 1% at this point. If, uh, if you could go earn five bucks, if you feel strongly about that. Um, all right. So the Celtics will face the magic um, over the weekend, I believe. And Saturday, we'll, I think, yeah. Yeah. We'll get yes. to see Bancaro. Uh, it's in Orlando. So not that up close and personal, but, you know, we'll get to take a look at him from a Celtics purview. And then they don't really see any of the top tier rookies until December when they're going to see uh, Canada's own Benedict Mathurin of Indiana. Cody, what do you think of uh, Mathurin? Am I saying that right? Mathurin. Mathurin. Uh, oh, man. I thought I had that one in the bag. Yeah, <laughs> man. But... You're doing it good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of Mathurin. Uh, you know, he's a guy, Canadian, that 
started out in the MBA Academy, the Latin America one, and really had a chance to kind of to get on the map there a little bit. I had the opportunity to, to talk to the international director there uh, for the MBA Academy. And, you know, he was a guy that everyone just loved. His work ethic was just off the charts. He would come in, he'd stay late, he'd rally the guys and, and, and really just be that leader. Uh, and it's incredible because that was, what, two, three years ago, and he's only 19 right now or, mm-hmm. or around there. So to have that kind of maturity and, and leadership at that young of an age, uh, then obviously we saw what he did at Arizona. And I think he had a, a tremendous uh, preseason run with the Pacers. He led the, the rookie class in scoring. Uh, he didn't score fewer than 15 points, I want to say, each game. And then last night he comes out with 19 and, and played essentially the entire fourth quarter there as, as the Pacers were, were trying to, to mount a comeback against the Wizards. And, you know, I think that um, – he's just a guy that's that can just put the ball in the hoop and and you know he he's got all the tools you want uh, on offense um he he thrives in getting into the paint finishing using his big frame to 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 finish through contact uh we saw some of that last night i was kind of flipping back and forth i don't know about you guys but between the magic and just trying to catch catch all the games all the rookies as much as i could and so I saw a little bit of him and then watching his highlights um, this morning, uh, Benedict's. And I think that he's going to be a guy that, that has a chance to be uh, in the rookie of the year race. Um, it, I think, as we talked about earlier, it would take a lot, I think, for Paolo to lose. But uh, I think that, that Benedict is going to have a great year. And our bold predictions on Ricky Wire, I had for him, I, for him, it was a little tough. I, I wasn't really sure where to go with him, but. I think uh, I, I put him down for a 40 point game this year, at least one. And he had 27 points in the, in a game in a preseason game, 19 last night. So I feel okay about it. Feel okay. Uh, we'll see. Um, but uh, I, he just he's, has that ability to, to go out and, and score. He's certainly going to get the shot volume in Indiana <laughs> to get 40. It might not be the most efficient 40 in the world, but he will have his chances. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that helps this case, too, because yeah, I, I do like the, the Pacers roster, you know, kind of retooling last year and and getting uh, Tyrese. And of course, they have Duarte and Isaiah Jackson, Benedict and a couple of the guys. And they might even be able to add to that with with, you know, you'd assume at some point they'll trade Miles and, and Buddy Heald. Uh, so I think, you know, they could add another young guy or another couple uh, draft picks. And so. We'll kind of see how, how they materialize. So uh, I want to ask you about a couple more rookies and if you can hop in and add your own, ask him Dr. Quinn or Alex. Um, I'm going to start with Jalen Williams, not only because I find this Thunder, Thunder team really fascinating, but he also shares an agent with Taco Fall. And that's a good enough plug to go listen to my conversation with Taco Fall from the other day. Um, but yeah, tell us about OKC and Jalen Williams. We're talking Jalen Williams, Santa Clara Jalen Williams, right? Oh, good point. Uh, so, I guess I don't know which one shares an agent with Taco Fall. Um, so, yeah, yeah there's the Jalen Williams the, who the, went to Santa Clara. City, they both drafted the same guys with the same name, but they're totally different. Yeah. Yeah. You, I was thinking of the kid who cut his eye last night. 
Yep. Yeah. Jalen Williams. I don't, know, I don't uh, know if he's this. I, I might have gotten the agent thing wrong. Excuse me. <laughs> no, you're right. Uh, so, yeah, they have Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. Spells his name J-A-L-E-N. They also have Jalen Williams from Arkansas, who they took in the second round, J-A-Y-L-I-N. So I'm sure Thunder announcers, media people, fans are going <laughs> to love that this year. Uh, however, Jalen Williams, who cut his eye last night, good, good uh, distinguishing player. Uh, but um, yeah, so he only played five minutes last night, but I, I think that he's, he's, I put him, my bold prediction was he'll finish as a finalist in the rookie of the year race, which I think is, oh. is a bit bold. So we'll see how it plays out, but he finished in the, he finished second in scoring in the preseason among rookies. He led all rookies in assists and, you know, just great situation for him. He's going to have the chance to play. Uh, I think they, they brought him off the bench last night. But, um, you know, I think that just his ability to kind of to, to score and get others involved, he's going to be a guy that I think can be a nice little secondary option to Josh Giddy as, as the primary ball handler. And, of course, they have Shea and a couple of other guys who can handle it as well. So, um, you know, I, I, it was amazing to me that they, they hung around last night with, with the Timberwolves and honestly probably should have won that game. Um, it, considering that, you know, where they are and where the Timberwolves are and, and, and their respective, uh, you know, trajectories there. But um, it would have been nice to see him play. And, and I, I hope he's OK. It sounds like he, he's going to be all right. Uh, he posted a, a he changed his default picture on, on Instagram to a picture of his eye. And it's it's pretty swollen up pretty bad. Um, so he got a little uh, uh, got elbowed there. But. I think he's going to be good for them. Um, I'm happy to report that Jalen Williams of cutting his eye fame does have the same agent as Taco Fall. So uh, Justin, you don't need to edit anything out. I was right the first time. Um, <laughs> yeah. The Thunder team. Uh, I think Chet's really fascinating. It's a bummer. I'll see what happened to him. I, um, I think perhaps as high on Giddy as anyone in the NBA orbit orbit other than maybe Giddy himself. Um, I'm really excited to see what that team does. It's, it's such a shame that the tanking is going to be so furious this year because these uh, up and coming teams are really good. Um, but I understand the math and why they would go into the tank. Okay. Uh, I have another one that I'm just going to keep it moving, I guess. And I can tease that rookie wire Celtics wire, and perhaps this podcast will have content related to the official NBA 2k 23 season sim in which Sacramento's Keegan Murray won Rookie of the Year. I'm also happy to report that Jason Tatum won MVP, but that's for a different conversation. Cody, I guess, how realistic is Keegan Murray's Rookie of the Year candidacy? And just more broadly, what do you think about Murray? Yeah, I think he's he's uh, second among most most sports books, and I think that um, in, in doing my predictions, I, I almost had him. And in fact, I think I started writing some of it out uh, with mm -hmm. him winning. Um, just because I love his game, I think that he has the potential to be, when we look at this class five, five years from now, maybe one of the two or three best from this class. And honestly, he might already be in that range, but just his ability to, to shoot, he shot the lights out in the preseason in his two games, seven of 10 uh, from behind the line. Uh, he scored 16 points in, in both games. He missed the final couple uh, because of uh, he was in the health and safety protocol. So we didn't get to see him last night. Um, all reports look like he'll be, he should be okay to go on Saturday. 
but if if not he's only going to miss another game so um you know i think that he's he's kind of in that conversation for them to to start mike brown their head coach hasn't really named a starter they started akpala last night um so we'll see I would imagine that Keegan will start by the end of the year, uh, maybe even sooner, maybe even his first game back or whatever the case is, but he's going to have a chance to, to do a lot of good things. And I think that they're, they're really high on him. And he, he just has that prototypical game in the NBA that a lot of guys are, are kind of striving for. And, and so uh, he's definitely going to be a guy that I watch frequently on league pass. That is for sure. So you mocked, Speaking of twin brothers, uh, though different drafts in this case, uh, his brother Chris to the Celtics on a rookie wire mock draft recently. Tell me, because I've been hearing that he might not be that much worse than his brother. So why is he even vaguely in Boston the second round range? Yeah, I think that it's it's because he hasn't really gotten a chance to play. Um, you know, I think there are some similarities, a lot of similarities in their games. And I just think that at this stage, um, Keegan's a little bit more developed because he had that chance to play. Uh, Chris didn't play uh, too much. I don't have it right in front of me. But, um, yeah, I think with, with Keegan sort of out of the picture now, I think that he'll have a chance from the start to, to really be able to step in and, and help them. Um, and, and I think that if he can do, you know, I think, I believe Keegan led the entire country in, in scoring uh, last season, if I have that correct, or near the top, you know, he doesn't have to do all that. But if he even does anything remotely close to that, I think he'll, he'll be in that, that second half of the first round range. And I think that, you know, if you're a team in that range and you, and they tell you, you can get a guy that, you know, maybe 75, 80% as good as Keegan Murray, I think, that's that's great value at that point. So we'll kind of see how his season goes, but it's going to be uh, it, it's kind of it's going to be cool to see the similarities between them and and if he can kind of distinguish himself from his brother. So the the last name that I have on my list of uh, young players that I wanted to talk about was Jaden Ivy. So tell us a little bit about Jaden Ivy, but then uh, I'm curious if you have anyone that. Uh, I'm actually in dereliction of duty that I didn't bring up in the first place. So tell us about Ivy first. Yeah, Ivy, um, you know, he's, he's drawn comparison some to, to Westbrook and they have a lot of similarities. They're both lightning quick. Uh, Jaden uh, is, is a better shooter at this stage than Russ has, I guess, ever been really. But, um, you know, he looked great last night. Um, he had, he had one quarter, I think it was a third quarter where he just erupted and kind of, he finished with 19. I think he had at least 10 in like the third quarter. I want to say as, as the, as the Pistons were, were coming back against the magic, but he looked great. Uh, I think there, there are still a few plays where, where he, uh, you know, he struggled a little bit. He had some rookie turnovers, but I mean, it's his first game, right? So I think that He's going to he's going to figure these things out as the season goes. And by all accounts, he will, um, you know, starting from game one with the Pistons. Obviously, they're not this like juggernaut team that has all these vets and minutes are going to be hard to come by. But I think starting from game one is going to help him. They let those guys play through their mistakes and they give they give them a long leash. We saw that with with uh, with Cade. Uh, we saw that the year before with Sidiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart who, by the way, Isaiah Stewart is now hitting corner three-pointers. 
Uh, he drained one last night. I guess listening to the broadcast, he was 0 of 6 prior to that one. So, of course, Magic fans love that he finally got on the board. But, um, you know, they have a great development program there. And, you know, he won't spend any time in the G League. But all those guys that have come through there have, have done great things. So I think Jaden will be the next one for sure. Just want to point out that uh, Beef Stew uh, talked about uh, his three-pointer in, I believe, an interview with our friend Brian Kobrowski uh, for the win. So definitely check that out if you want some receipts that this was a plan. I feel like for me, Ivy almost, I, I, I would be surprised if Ivy is in the rookie of the year running this year, just because of how much Cade is going to be dominating the ball in Detroit and kind of the amount of work they're going to be sharing. But if you told me five years from now that Jaden Ivey is going to have the highest ceiling of anybody in this draft, I, I don't know that I would be shocked by that. I personally think Ben Caro's got a higher ceiling, but I feel like the what I see with Ivey, I'm, I'm looking four or five years down the road more so than I am this year. I feel like if that guy puts it together, particularly from a playmaking angle, he could be a potentially dominant player at the guard position. Hey, Cody, um, I have one more question actually to ask you, but any other rookies around the league that we just as basketball fans should have our eye on? There's a lot of guys, honestly. And, and what I kind of mentioned earlier, there is a lot of there's a lot of DNPs uh, last night. And so I did. I love Dyson Daniels with the Pelicans. Uh, he was uh, ignite guy. Didn't play uh, or hit. He had a couple minutes, but I think that when he gets a chance, he's He's going to really be able to step in, defensive guy. Uh, last night, though, Jalen Duran with the Pistons was incredible at times. He's just got this insane athleticism that and completely dominated the Magic down low and, and helped them, you know, kind of kind of take over that game. And, I mean, when the Magic were running, Caleb Houston at one point was their smallest guy on the court at 6'8". So they had Franz, they had Wendell, Bobo, Mo Bamba, just this insanely large lineup, and, and Duran was just working against it. So he's he's still a bit raw, I think, but when he kind of when he kind of rounds out, I think he's going to be an awesome player. Uh, Walker Kessler last night with the Utah Jazz impressed me. First Jazz rookie with a double double in his first game. Um, you know, defensive guy. Obviously, we saw that last year at Auburn. So I think he's got. He's he's got some development to go, but I think the Jazz winning last night against the Nuggets was shocking. But um, we'll kind of see where where they kind of, where they kind of go this year. Uh, and then the last one, just briefly, uh, I'm curious about Patrick Baldwin uh, with the Warriors. He's he's probably not going to play too much, but I think there will be a, a game or two where where the Warriors are desperate or a game that they're resting their, you know, resting the Draymonds, the Stephs, and the Clays. Uh, he just comes out and lights it up. So I'm curious to see about him this year. He's not going to do it every night, uh, maybe every every few weeks, a couple times a month maybe, but I'm, I'm curious about him. He, he should be fun. Cool. All right. Cody Taylor, uh, editor of Rookie Wire. We'll get you out of here on this. I guess it's a two-parter. First, any rookie in the league have better hair than J.D. Davison? I asked facetiously. Um, and second, um, just give us a little bit of a take on J.D. Davison. I don't think he's going to be a supremely featured player for the Celtics this year, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? Yeah, he's uh, he's on the two-way curve, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, 
I doubt, you know, he's going to see much time, right? I think that um, spending time in the G League, honestly, is probably going to benefit him so great because we've seen over the years just how many guys have, have gone through Maine and, and what they've been able to do, maybe not with the Celtics, but elsewhere. Um, so I think that that's just going to be what he needs, just a year of development. Um, I, I honestly thought he was going to be drafted high, or, you know, a, I just saw him as more of a, like a borderline first round guy. Um, I, I think in one of my mocks, I had him higher than most. I, I like his game. I, I just think that, you know, he's, he's not ready right now, but I think that with time he'll, he'll, he'll be there. Sure. And Hey, Maine's a great, a great yeah. place to learn how to play professional basketball. All right. Um, if anyone listening ever reads my stuff on rookie wire, and you think, man, this is so well-written. It's because of Cody. It's not because of me. Um, and if there's a, a spelling error, all the same. Uh, Cody Taylor of Rookie Wire, thank you so much for stopping by. And um, we'll bring you back closer to the draft. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, likewise. Soon. So thanks again to Cody Taylor of Rookie Wire, part of the USA Today family. And we're going to talk about the Celtics now because this is the Celtics Lab podcast. And boy, oh boy, I'm so excited to be talking about real basketball and overreacting to it. What a time to be alive. So the Celtics, uh, no buts about it, waxed Philadelphia and their home opener, which we'll talk about the game. Uh, they won 126 to 117. Um, talk about the Bill Russell tribute and everything else that came with it. But um, before we get into the minutia, just your kind of like rapid reaction in summary, Dr. Quinn, what did you think of the first game? Holy crap, was I wrong about the front court? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> is, there, is there a team that you could pick that would have a worse matchup for what we thought we had in the front court? Um, yeah, I think Jokic and Giannis might offer some Giannis maybe, but I think that it's pretty similar of a situation that they, they have a fairly similar formula and the two main people they have to guard him are still available. So that's true. I do think that the Celtics have a history with Embiid in particular that um, and, and Horford and Grant Williams as well, where that in particular is a matchup that they've really Embiid has gotten big statistical games against Boston, but he's never really been quite as threatening to them as some other like true superstar players. But yeah, no, it's true. As far as the front court depth is concerned, I think, I'm definitely far less concerned than I was. I mean, I guess we'll get right into the minutia. I do think that the, the geography of Philly's offense because of Harden drags the center, the locus of that offense, like closer to the three-point line um, or beyond the three-point line. And uh, the Nuggets playing through Jokic, like closer to the nail or Giannis flying above the rim changes things a little bit. But the suggestion that, Boston's front court either can tread water or can go on the offensive by going quote unquote small. Although Jason Tatum is a pretty big, small power forward uh, was really fascinating. So Dr. Quinn to respond, I do think that the Sixers, the Celtics are the perfect foil for these Sixers, but um, we can certainly explore the possibility that Boston's front court is in much better shape than we thought. Let's it's one start. game. It's clearly clearly solved, right? Yeah, that's how data works. I mean, let's start 
where um, the Celtics started, and that's with a Bill Russell tribute. So anyone watching or at the game saw uh, before the game, they had a nice video package honoring the late Bill Russell. Jalen Brown spoke to the fans before game. After the game, he, he spoke pretty candidly about how hard it was to come up with what to say and how to say it, which I thought was really, really touching. The uniforms are a collaboration with Bill Russell before he died. They, the leaks looked bad and in person they looked great. The warmups look great. Lucky's outfit looks great. Uh, the whole pageantry, the visual pageantry of the Bill Russell tribute um, for my money was tremendous. The court as well. And then throughout the game, there were all sorts of tributes. They had players talking, they had um, different video packages. And at one point, uh, Janine, his late wife, I mean, not, not his late wife, his widow, um, was honored just on the screen um, to a very serious standing ovation. That, that was um, tough, man. I started crying. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, uh, this is a real peek behind the curtain. I was coming back from running to the bathroom. Um, and so I was just like standing kind of in the concourse watching it. And um, a good like toilet paper commercial will make me cry. So you can only imagine <laughs> how emotional I got at this moment. Um, so that was the, that was guys I haven't cried in years. <laughs> yeah, Alex, Alex is Teflon. <laughs> um, so that was the mood of the night, and and Jalen and Jason were both quick after the game to say, hey, you know, this was a different night. We were aware that the energy was different this night. Um, so it would be incorrect to not make mention of that. Uh, Justin or Alex, anything else that I missed about the Bill Russell tribute? They'll have another um, for his birthday later in the year against the Grizzlies. February 12th, yeah. Yes, they'll have um, another tribute night, and then they'll use this court and these jerseys. A few the court, yeah. We didn't really talk about the court too yeah, much. Uh, there's not too much to talk about it. We've already talked about the, the removal of the white background on the logo in the center. We know about the six uh, honoring him in the lane. I like them. You know, once I actually got to see them, uh, yeah. we, got, we got a glimpse of them in the, in the preseason as well. They're better than I thought. I do think if we wear them against the Bucks, things are going to be weird, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But all, all in all, really nice tribute um, for a really nice man. You think you think the color scheme might be more Seattle uh, Supersonics than Milwaukee Bucks, considering he did coach them also? I think it depends on... Yeah, I, think, I guess that's probably mm. true if we're talking like the Kent Payton... Sonics. I do think there are some Bucks uniforms, particularly in like recent history, that resemble those uniforms a lot. But well, that's but a to, to Justin's point, the story was that Bill collaborated on these, or in some capacity. So actually, that that would be really interesting homage. I hadn't pieced that together per se. I, Just to I guess, be surprised. I have no idea. Funny strike. All right, the game itself. Um, first quarter was interesting. They started White and Tatum alongside Brown, Smart, and Horford. So nominally small, although Jason Datum is a gentleman, 6'10". Um, but the first first quarter was a little choppy. I think it was five assists, five turnovers. It wasn't good. It wasn't bad. And then they dropped 39 in the second quarter, and that was it. They were in control of the game. Um, they really just – Joel Embiid had no answers for that Celtics defense, despite, uh, I guess, what we're saying it was an undersized front court. Um Either side of the ball, take your take your poison uh, or your fancy, Alex. What'd you see from the Celtics? 
Um, the thing that I saw the most in the Celtics, and that was, I think, a kind of noticeable change from previous iterations of this team, is that this team wants to get out and run in a serious way. Um, I noticed that they were trying to, uh, whenever they were forcing turnovers, they were trying to get into the front court immediately. You know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Malcolm Brogdon in particular did a really nice job of attacking Philly in transition and kind of running them off the floor a little bit. And I think strategically that makes a lot of sense against the Sixers who have traditionally been a kind of plotting slower team that does a lot of stuff in half court sets. So maybe that's just a factor of the matchup but I'm kind of hoping it's not because this Celtics team has for all of the athleticism and speed of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum been a little frustrating in its inability to sometimes get out and exploit that athleticism against uh, teams that maybe don't have the wings capable of covering that. In particular, I think Jason Tatum's finishing at the rim, the confidence that he was taking the ball uh, to the hole with was really impressive and has me feeling optimistic about the Celtics potential to be a top five transition offense team this year. And it seems like something that Joe Mazzula has really made a point of emphasis for them. So that really stood out to me. Doc's coaching and the lack of, and you, you kind of hinted at this too, <laughs> uh, the lack of interest in running Maxi, who was damaging Boston anytime he got you know in, into a full gallop uh that also stuck out to me I, I wonder if they don't have such a great start if the team starts considering fairly soon maybe as soon as the end of the season to just reconfigure around Maxi because we've seen what Joel does and he has to play slow he's not going to be running down the corner anytime soon so yeah what's interesting about them getting out and running and so we'll, we'll get into the bigs I'm sure in a little bit and the uh, too long didn't read is Von Lake and Griffin combined for 28 miss, minutes or something about that much. And they were good, not great. Um, they had their moments, but there were stretches um, certainly in the second half of the game where the Celtics truly went small. And in fact, Grant Williams and Jason Tatum were the front court. And uh, this is a peek behind the curtain, which is all the, the people who write about the Celtics are writing as they're watching and, uh, sometimes you try to get everything done by the second quarter and hope that your your observations pan out. And so I had a line written down that um, I said the Celtics had a, are having an icy night from three, which is stymieing an otherwise pretty serious offensive explosion. And I actually had to change it to a pedestrian because they got that number up to, I think they shot 35% from three, which made a huge difference because uh, earlier when they weren't hitting any threes, this transition, Alex, of which you speak was really exciting, but it was, uh, it was, it, it just was disjointed because so much of it was drive and kick and it, the, the kick wasn't there. Once the three point shots started falling and I don't think it was anything other than a little bit of luck that then, um, the vision really came together. So I'm really intrigued by that, that possibility of becoming a, a high level transition team. So long as the shooting follows in suit even without it though brogdon was doing a great job of, of scoring in transition so much a good pass yeah, yeah just settling things down when marcus smart started going crazy just really good overall debut with the celtics 
I think we also have to give some credit to Jason Tatum as a passer. He was really slinging the ball. And there was, you know, it's a classic situation where Jason Tatum makes a brilliant pass to a corner shooter who isn't ready for the pass and they <laughs> brick the shot. But I mean, he's really placing an emphasis and he was doing this last year, but I'm glad to see it's a trend that's continuing into this year where he's really placing some emphasis on being a playmaker and kind of trying to expand his offensive package more so than just being a scorer. And smart, uh, chaotic as he was, did end the game with seven assists. So, uh, yeah, Boston has perhaps a bias towards passing, uh, A, because of new personnel, but then B, this undersized uh, uh, issue that they might have moving forward. Luke Cornett didn't play, although in theory he should be back sooner rather than later. Um, Dr. Quinn, I would hazard that the Vonley-Griffin pairing was – fine if not not so good um i think you're a little more optimistic on what that can do in the interim um what do you think about what you saw um i think that my main concern is that i don't want people to have the wrong impressions about what version of blake griffin we're going to have or what what vonley can do the fact that vonley was passing the fact that he managed to keep the ball out of pj tucker's claws when he went down onto the ground uh the fact that Blake took a charge uh, just as advertised at a very great moment to help break the momentum of the 76ers. All those little things, I think, at at worst, negate all the dumb things, the fact that Blake is clearly playing his way into shape. Um, (laughs) Overall, I think that they're going to be good enough. I think there's going to be nights where we are facing teams with more dynamic front courts. They're going to have some issues more than like big burly guys because one of them has no lateral movement left and the other one never had it. So we're going to have some issues with that, but you know, one thing at a time. Yeah. Horford uh, had foul trouble, which is why he wasn't as featured. Um, and Grant. Yeah. Grant, yeah. Uh, the, I don't, I don't like doing this, but the refing uh, during this game was just preposterous. Um, but also fouling three point shooters is not good to be fair on both sides true yeah celtics please stop doing that um james harden looked really really good last night or the other night and his stats reflected perhaps an even better performance than he maybe gave kind of i don't know in in his playmaking just because uh we fouled him three times on three-pointers please stop doing that um i disagreed with the assessment of some of those calls, but fair enough. Um, also, uh, Harden absolutely cooking uh, the Celtics and then just like uh, like bricking a shot. Like Alex, you play basketball with me. I can brick a shot as well as James Harden evidently because um, some of those shots are just ridiculous. And you might be a better defender. <laughs> <laughs> um, all credit to our zone. I, I can't possibly take that accolade. Okay. Um, just, I guess we've talked about the Philly side. Um, any, anyone want to do a massive overreaction to a single game or should we keep it moving? I would like to do a massive overreaction to a single game. Cool, um, I have one too. Yeah, and mine's kind of obvious, but the Jason Tatum MVP train is leaving the station, folks, and you got to get on board right now because that dude looked really, really, really good. End of season form in game one. We are used to him poo-pooing his way through the first third to half of the season, and he is not the same player. Uh, I, I totally agree with you. On the other side of the court, 
the 76ers are the same team with the same problems, even though they have new players doing new things and just somehow they got to fire doc. I'm sorry, doc. I love you, but you are not, this is, this isn't the team for you. I don't know if there is a team for you, but this is not the team for you. Uh, I think I agree with that. I also don't think that James Harden and, and I mean, yeah, they need a coach who can figure out how to use James Harden, Joel and B together because they're two colleagues. They're not, you know, partners right now it doesn't seem um and poor Tobias Harris he seems like such a nice man but he's not going to get it done um for that team that was my hot take is they need to have traded him yesterday um so congratulations Tobias Harris you're now a Laker um they also need to just figure out like the Maxi Harden backcourt defense pairing is just not going to work and they can't really play Tybal in high leverage minutes because he is the worst shooter in the NBA or pretty damn close to it, but they've got to figure something out where those guys are like staggering minutes or something, because if you have Maxi and Harden on the floor in a close game late, that's just every single time over and over and over again, get them in a pick and roll and go from there. All right. Um, just a few more things and then we are out of here. Let's start. Uh, with the least interesting bit, no offense. Uh, Jake Lehman is going to go play in Greece. We hardly knew you. Um, the French kid, Begarin, uh, scored 28-5 and five in his debut for Paris basketball. And looking at our Celtics Wire analytics, the fans are very excited about that, huh, Justin? Oh, yes. Uh, he Every season for the last, you know, like five, six years, we've had a guy, now we have two, with Jan Madar also uh, stashed overseas. And both are looking pretty good, but I, w- I would say at this point, I think Beggarin has passed him and looking like he's NBA ready. Sure. Um, we have a few games from the last two nights to talk about. There'll be some games tonight. To, this is going to drop late Thursday night, Friday. Uh, I'll give you a, a not so hot take. The Lakers are bad. Um Oops. <laughs> I, 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 like, I can't I just, believe how bad they are. Like, we're starting Lonnie Walker, Russell Westbrook, and Patrick Beverly all at the same time in the year of our Lord 2022. Rob Palinka, man, what are we doing? Sabotage. Yeah, that's kind of my philosophy at this point is this is a fake, a, a fake effort. Uh, it's a real tank job. LeBron's like full-blown poison pilled, right? Yeah, I don't. He's know. not going. He signed. He signed an extension. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's so, he is untradeable for this season. Next season, I believe that things open up a little bit more for him. But for this season, he will be a Los Angeles Laker. I believe he has a no trade clause, but that just means he gets to choose where he would get traded to. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's tough in Tinseltown. I think they're going to get waxed by the Clippers tonight. Anyways, uh, also not so fun is that Robert Williams III got a pal injection in his knee, which is something that people get to help the healing of ligaments and to reduce pain. So not a particularly surprising procedure, but uh, in this attention economy of ours, it got its own little news segment from a certain reporter that rhymes with comms Karania, uh, I guess. Um, there was a hint that he's probably not going to be back in eight to 12 weeks that it could be longer. I'm going to just say all-star break, uh, just to like mentally set the table for myself. But Brad, Brad was on Twitch and Rich today saying that, uh, literally nothing has changed. And we've heard 
a fair amount of reporting. I think this is just like kind of like a game of telephone situation where people kind of just freak out about something that they need to be freaked out about. Yeah. And I, I, for what it's worth, I kind of assume that Rob wouldn't be back until All-Star to begin with. Um, I think particularly if the Celtics front court is manageable, if Von Ley and Blake and Grant are able to just cobble together enough minutes to survive out there, take your time with Rob. You know, you need him for the playoffs. Cool. Um, and then the last thing we have on our docket is um, Jalen Brown had his juice event last Saturday and um, I went there to check it out. Um, and I'll just say a few quick things kind of self-indulgently. The first is I'll be honest. I felt a little icky about it. I am not happy with Jalen Brown's positions on vaccines. I disagree with him quite strongly, if not politely. Um, and I certainly would love to see him move on from Kanye West and Donda Sports. Um, so I felt a little weird going to the event, having not known really like what uh, the event would look like and how Donda it would be. Um, but uh, Juice and Jalen being really thoughtful people, even if I disagree with some of their stuff, they had a really nice tribute to Terrence Clark, the kid uh, from Boston who died in a car accident last year. They worked with his foundation, with his friends, with his family put together a shirt, um, not just to raise money, but also to maintain his, uh, his legacy. And um, whether it's talking to the creative directors at Juice or his brother, Jalen's brother, Quentin, or um, Jalen himself, they'll tell you that the whole brand is about community and uh, building bridges and all of that wonderful stuff that is absent in the world. So in that spirit, I, f- I feel inclined to wade in a shade of gray with Jalen Brown and his brand right now, because um, I disagree so emphatically about certain aspects of that, but there are other things that uh, I couldn't possibly knock. Um, so I had a nice time there, uh, but it was interesting. And I didn't consent Justin and Alex to this heavy conversation, nor you, the listener, but I think Justin and Alex are going to weigh in. Well, I'm only going to weigh in in the following sentences is that um, Jalen Brown has a complex set of beliefs and ideas that um, I could spend a lot of time thinking about and agonizing over. But instead, I am going to simply say, based on the results of uh, a certain NBA game last night, I'm very glad that we did not trade Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant or for any other member of the Brooklyn Nets, because that team is headed nowhere fast. Anyway, let me just also add my two cents, and it's a pretty benign two cents in that the tweets you you referenced were both deleted after the fact. I'm not real sure. I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to, you know, remotely figure out what his thought process was with that, but it appears he's taking a little bit more caution with those things, and I don't care what NBA players believe. Personally, I care when they use their platform to add weight to a cause. And if you believe in something strongly, then make sure you put in the effort, speak to all the experts you can find, particularly if they have, you know, methodologically rigorous uh, reasons to call themselves experts. Uh, And be careful with stories like that, because as, as I commented on that particular tweet, I've reacted very poorly to people doing that in the past uh, because of personal impacts in my own life. But the main thing that I'm taking away from all of this is that we can all be a little bit better in terms of how we discuss contentious topics. And if we have a platform that we're going to use, we should be careful with it. Yeah, not for nothing and not to oversimplify the matter, but the person 
that Jalen retweeted and then ended the retweet but kept the like is this anti-immigrant, anti-Muslim uh, politician from the Netherlands. I don't think Jalen agrees with those dances, but I think he liked what he saw. And like we all do, I use social media socially. I'm not with as much care, perhaps. So anyways, on that weird twist, uh, we can end there. Thanks very much for listening. Like and subscribe if you haven't already. Celtics are going to be down in Miami. They'll play sort of play Orlando. And they'll be back in Boston to play the Bulls. We'll talk to you sometime after that, I'm sure. But be on the lookout for a very special edition of the Celtics Lab podcast sometime soon.